Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Hi, and welcome to the RPG Show, Episode 6. This is the show we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. I'm your host, Brent. Today, with me, I have two guys. They're all right. First is the demented denizen of the dreamlands, Nick Gainer. How you doing today, bud? Wait, does that make me, like, Shadow Kirby, then? If you want to be. You want to be Shadow Kirby? I mean, I'd rather be, like, Shadow Meta Knight or something. If that even is a thing. I don't even know. But I'm fabulous, Brent. Are you fabulous? You're, you're Yeah, you're fabulous. I'm 20% gay, okay? 20% gay, so I don't know what that other 80% is then. But other okay. than Fair enough. We have more than just me and Nick today. Uh, Glenn, or as he's known around the internet, Jar Jar Fan 42. How you doing, buddy? Meets I crash your face in. Oh, good. You had to go there, didn't you? Yes, I did. Wow. You can't insult people and not expect them to like run with it. Fair enough. So how's everybody's week been? Everybody doing good? Me said not too bad. How about you, Nick? You have a long, nice, nice, easy week? Well, no, I feel like you should ask how the last two weeks have been because we haven't been here in two weeks. Well, fine. How have you been doing the past two weeks? Because we haven't spoke. Well, we've spoke, but we haven't spoke on an audio recording in two weeks. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm doing pretty good. Though... Not really, because I got surprise bills out the ass. I'm kind of pissed about so. Surprise bills. Those are the worst. It's like surprise butt sex, but without, like, the little hint of pleasure. Well, yeah, so you can, like, maybe possibly, depending on the situation, get off to surprise butt sex. But there's no way you're excited about surprise bills. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But I have an interesting story from this past week. Oh boy! Yeah, I know. Let's look. Let's not point out the the trope, but we're just gonna go with it. All right. Let me get some popcorn. Oh, you're fucking such a jackass! Like you could take that popcorn, shove it unpopped up your anus, and then when it pops, you can have that nice sensation of popcorn popping in your butthole. Like I really had no idea where I was going with that. I, I just I have no idea. Any, I was just gonna let you keep going with it. Dig any, yourself deeper into that ditch. Anyway. I don't know if I've stated on the show or not. Uh, I work in grocery stores for a living, so I spend a lot of time in grocery chains like Walmarts, Food Lions, Martins, Kroger's, these sorts of places. And I was in a Martins last week, you know, doing my thing, and I was near the produce section of this particular Martins, and it's funny enough that my phone's going off and I'm trying to fucking tell the story. That's great. I should really learn to put those on silent when we record, but one day I'll learn. But there's these two little old ladies, right? And they're obviously sisters because they look alike. They're about the same age. And 
they're arguing. And as they, you know, I, I sort of pay more attention to what's going on. They're arguing about how to make fucking apple pie, which in its own right is hilarious. Like two little old ladies in the grocery store arguing about how to make apple pie. But it gets worse. It starts to get heated. Like they are straight up just like arguing about everything now, like picking about like how they live lives or whatever. And one of them just goes enough, enough. I hope I die first. That way there's peace in heaven before you show up. Like wow, wow! That was like mic drop moment. Like I, mean, I look at the the grocery guy, the guy that actually worked at the store. Like our jaws were open. Like we didn't even know what to fucking do with that information. Like that was the funniest thing I've ever seen, and like one of the best insults I've ever seen in real life. Like I want that lady to be like a great aunt because I bet those two are just at like every family reunion, like making fun of everybody. Like there's like ha ha ha, you know, Jeanette can't keep her teeth in. At least my, I don't have to roll my tits into my bra, Janice. Like, you know, like, that's just the... Oh, my God. It was fucking hilarious. I hope I die first. That way there's peace in heaven before you show up. Like, I... That was that was amazing to me. Like, it was great. You gotta love those old school insults. Yeah, no, that was pretty hardcore. But moving on from the old lady, we have a few uh, upcoming releases to talk about. First off, the Final Fantasy X-10-2 remaster for the PS4. It's been out on the PS3 for a while, but it came out for the PS4 on the 12th. Which it's for, also been on the Vita. It's been on the Vita, but yeah, yeah. So that came out the other day. Quick and question I, for you. Yep. Um, why the fuck hasn't Squaresoft, or Square Enix, my bad, priced this at like $30? Or $40. Why in the fuck is it $60 when they just released a fucking remaster like last year? I have no idea, man. Because they just want money. Like, their uh, quarterly earnings call was... Was it last week? And their profits have doubled from last year due to the success of A Realm Reborn and their mobile titles. Which, in its own right, makes me nervous. Because it's like, well, I guess we're not getting any, you know, standard good console fare because that's not making them their money. So, I don't know. All right, I suppose, but still, like... Well, this is... This, the Final Fantasy is now falling into that, like, that Star Wars problem where it's like, they can release it over and over and over again, and we just keep buying it. Like, they'll <clears> really... <throat> they could, just people, as in, you know... The Fucking populace. Sheeple. Whatever. Nick. Just what? up, it's not quite sexy. It's forty nine ninety nine. So they did cheapen it a little bit. Oh. And it's a lot lower on the PS3. Yeah, but well, it's still. It's been out a year now. Still. Fifty bucks. Fifty it bucks. It was like full price on the PS3 last year, I think. Full price okay. is kind of steep. Like, I feel that's a little much. I don't know. But... That brings up a question I had for you guys before we move on to other releases. How do you feel about this trend of like remastering and re-releasing old games? Like, do, is it something we like? Something we like are you know nonchalant about, or something like you know, like why the fuck would they do this? I like it as long as they don't go like changing absolutely everything about it. 
and overpricing it. Like I do agree, forty nine ninety nine is a little bit high, and I, I mean I I bought it, but you know. So, what's what's a good price point then? Are we talking like thirty bucks we'd pay for a a re release? I would say at least thirty three percent from a standard release. Okay, so no more than forty is what you're saying. Because if a standard uh, standard release is sixty, thirty three a third of that is twenty bucks, so forty dollars. Yes, I guess, and it also I guess depends on like the console and like really how much I personally feel like how much work they had to put into it. Like if they had this re released already on the PS3, like it's been it was like ten years or something like that, right before the game yeah. had been out. So I understand they put a lot of work into it, getting like re HD it up or whatever. But they literally, literally had all the shit already from last year, and I'm assuming they didn't have to do too much more to make it more pretty on the PS4. So, well, like, that depends on how much. I mean, how difficult the porting is, right? Because by all accounts, the PS4 is an entirely different beast than the PlayStation 3 yeah. because the. Because the PlayStation Three still used the same sort of memory architecture as the previous ones, that way that's why you could have the backwards compatibility on it. But the PS4 does not, so I don't know on that end like where the difficulty in porting was, and I don't want to try and guess. From what Fair I've enough. understood, it is a completely different architecture, so it is a lot more difficult to bring PS3 and even PS2 eras up to PS4. From what I understand, I could be wrong. All right. Oh, I guess I'll give it give them that then. All right. Well, speaking of remasters, but my opinion on remasters is the same as movies, where where the fuck's the originality? Like I get oh rehashing shit for money. Sure, people buy that shit up. Whatever. But like, come on. Can you please try at least one game out of the year? Can you try? Well, I see at least for movies and somewhat video games as we go. See, the video games can be a bit trickier. That's why I prefer them to port them to the PC, because then that gives that one thing longevity that does, isn't reliant on one piece of hardware. So, like, let's say you had a, a PlayStation 2 copy of Final Fantasy X. The game's still awesome, to, but if your PS2 shits out, you know, then you're up shit's creek. But if it is a PC port... The PC, you always, you you know, that's always more likely something you'll have to play things on. That way, that's the reason I like the the move towards digital in movies because well, before, like you know, you went from VHSs to DVDs. You may have a movie that you want to keep having. The VHS is going to lose quality, whereas a disc is not. You don't want to keep the VHS player because that's technology being phased out. So you had to upgrade to like a DVD. But now with digital, like as long as you have a means to display that digital media, then it's it has much like a single title has much more longevity than the physical medium. And games are sort of moving in that direction, but again, it's relied on like this this piece of hardware. So if I buy a game on the PSN, you know, there's no set they're telling you know. If there's a PlayStation Five, you know, like are the all the PSN titles I bought for the PS4 going to play on the PS Five? Mm, maybe not. 
If, if, if history has anything to say about that, no. Well, like you can't play PS3 games on the PS4. Sony's been about digital. Sony's been better about at least the digital titles, you know, being able to being a little more lenient than say, you know, anything on the Xbox. So, eh, it's all kind of whatever PC master race for the win, but really yeah. speaking of remasters and ports Grandia 2 is coming to Steam sometime this year, which is kind of exciting because that's kind of a hard to get title. Is it? Yeah. It's already was it was already ported to PC. Oh, was it? I was yeah. unfamiliar that there was a PC version of it. It was like ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that. It was like I got it on PC before I got it on. Oh, it was one of those. It was oh, it was one of the shitty PC ports though, like the the Final Fan- the original Final Fantasy seven PC port. Uh, I don't know. Eight, nine-year-old me played it perfectly fine. Well, it's coming to Steam. It's going to get some graphical updates along with, you know, we'll have Steam achievements and collectibles or whatever, all that stuff coming along with it. The they, first one on Steam? No. They what? they put up a poll on the... The developer put up a poll on their site and to vote for people to vote which one would get the treatment first and every, like... Grandia 2 won by, like, a landslide. Everybody wanted the second one done first. So. Man. Hey, man. It's still a good game, so. Yeah, it's still a good game, so that's something to look forward to. Some other releases we have coming up. We have Witcher 3 on the 19th, which is probably going to be another decent Witcher game. The Witcher's games tend to be pretty solid. I mean, they're not groundbreaking most of the time, other than with their... You know, being fucked up and shit. I thought the only redeeming thing about the first one really was the combat was kind of okay, and then you can have sex. Yeah, I mean they're they're pretty solid games. Like, so the third one's probably going to continue to be that. Like, I doubt it'll be anything groundbreaking, but it'll still be pretty fun to play. And then the only other release I could find is Arcania: The Complete Tale, which is essentially a re-release of Gothica Four. For the PS4, that's coming on the 29th. So, I haven't... I only played, like, Gothica 2, so I couldn't tell... I, I'm not very informed about that series after that. I've played zero Gothica games. They're alright. Like, they're not... bad. I've played them, but I have no memory of them. Or at least the first two, I think. So, we were talking about Grandia 2 coming to Steam or at least PC ports in general, what titles would you guys like to see ported from the console from console to PC? Uh, well, personally, uh, I'm not much of a PC gamer. Mm-hmm. So, I don't give a shit. Like, I've got a million games on Steam I'm supposed to be, like, I've bought and I'm supposed to have played and I've played, like, one or two. Fair enough. Fair enough. I haven't been a big PC gamer since I was a kid. I can't really think of any really good games that aren't already multi-platform. I'd like to see the Lunar series hit hit the PC. Make those a little more accessible. Or the or the Earthbound series. Well, wait, is Earthbound one already been ported? Uh, I'll check. Like, see, my problem with this. Is that you're 
completely pretending that emulators and ROMs don't exist. Well, yeah, but those come with their own problems. Like, they could be buggy or whatever, and they're not entirely legal unless you own the cart. So, I mean... Well, even then, it's not legal because you have to rip your own cart. Whatever. I mean... So there's legality issues there. So, I mean, if they're... When, when was the last time you heard somebody getting busted for downloading ROMs? That's fair enough. But there's a lot of people that don't want to try simply because of the stigma attached to it. And it for me, it's not about me being able to play it. Like, it's for... I want more people to experience games like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's on Steam, then there's a greater likelihood that people will see it and try it as opposed to, you know, either paying $200 for a cart or doing something they find to be potentially illegal. And if they like it, that's more people interested in the genre, which is always good for the genre. You follow? Yeah, you're not wrong. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel about it. I'd rather it, these titles be more accessible to more people. Like, for me, it doesn't, like, I don't care. You know, like, I can find a way, right? But for the masses, the sheeple, as you called them earlier, I want them to be <laughs> able to experience, you know, these games. And that puts more financial weight behind big companies making more titles into the, in the genre. So Okay. All right. Well, in that case, I'd like to see, since we're on the topic of porting and remasters, I would like to see Dragon's Dogma either ported or remastered. <laughs> All right, all right. Because I know there's a, there's like a second one that's been announced, and it's like completely like online multiplayer co-op kind of shit. But I highly, highly doubt it will ever come over to the states. Hmm, well. Just because it's fucking Capcom. Yeah, Capcom hasn't been uh, hitting on all cylinders here recently, anyway. But that's a whole show in its own right. So. E3. That's a good idea for show. Like your favorite brand, like your com- favorite company names, are like hate, like Crapcom. Yeah. Like, like what's your favorite? I really don't. I really don't have one. Like, I don't. My favorite company to hate. Like, I don't have a specific. Well, like, well, like the name, like the creative names that people make up, like when they hate on companies, like I, Crapcom. I've never heard of this. This that's new to me. Like, I've never heard, never heard Crapcom before. Never heard Crapcom before. Jeez, man. Sorry, like, that's new to me. Like, what do you, I mean, you have any other ones? Give me some more. Like, I'm interested in this now. Uh, no, Capcom's the only one that really comes to mind at the moment. Okay, then. Look, but they they exist, okay? Sure. Like, I mean, we all have like, companies we hate. I'm assuming, them. like, there might be, like, EA, you know, EA. It's I'm trying to find one, and I can't for the life of me. Yeah. It might be, like, EGA. EGA. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. And like Activision, it's probably like Asavision. But I don't know. Like I said, I have to do more research. Why don't you come to the table a little more prepared next time, Nick? Look, it was literally like um, like spur of the moment thing that came in my head. All right. right. That's fine. That's fine. So visit Game Game Facts more. You'll learn. (laughs) E3 is next month. Uh, so we'll have, I'm sure we'll get plenty of announcements next month. Are there any companies you're predicting to make big announcements next next Bethesda. month at E3? Bethesda, okay. Isn't Nintendo supposed to announce their new software or hardware? 
Mm. I haven't I haven't looked too much into the rumors for this year's E3 or any like pre announcements or anything. Um, I know there's some speculation whether Final Fantasy 15 will be like a release date will be talked about at E3. If they'll talk about Final Fantasy 16, what we'll get from SquareSoft. But other than that, I haven't uh, or Square Enix. I haven't I haven't done too much research into E3. Like I haven't followed E3 in a couple of years, but I think this year I'll be back. I'll be back on top of coverage again because it's sort of fun to watch the coverage from E3. Yeah, so, I haven't kept track of E3 either. I mean, I I've remember just been paying attention to Bethesda because everything is pointing out of Fallout 4, and I will probably pass out if they announce it. You know, the funny thing about that is I haven't played any Fallout game. I haven't played too many either. Like, I mean, I've played it for an hour, two hours, but that's about it. I've played one, two, three, New Vegas, and I love them all. Well, there you go, man. That's your jam. It's fine. Don't they do, like, Elder Scrolls too? Yes, they are also the group behind Elder Scrolls. And Wolfenstein, and a few others. Well, I'm sure... Well, they bought Wolfenstein, though, right? Well, it's like... <sighs> yeah, they purchased it and released a new one. Well, that's why I forget. That game was great. I forget that Square Enix owns Tomb Raider now. That's a weird thing, right? And the fact that it's going to be on Xbox. Like, how did that happen? That's a weird thing, right? Yeah. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I love the, the new one that they made. Like, I think it's freaking fantastic. But, I don't know. Every, just everything about it was is weird now. With who owns it, where it's being released. Yeah. So... I have a Kickstarter I'd like to talk about. Uh, I was playing with the idea of, you know, at least when we do these non-review shows, uh, coming to the table with a Kickstarter or two to talk about something that we're excited that we may or may not back, that we want other people to back. And mine, I came across this little gem. It's called Unraveled Tale of the Shipbreaker's Daughter. Now, this is based on apparently a true story of a girl in India that whose um, parents worked at a, like a ship deconstruction site. And this is uh, an RPG that basically takes place as she, she loses her parents and it's you are traveling through like her subconscious and her imagination in an attempt to find her parents is the way I understand it. The visuals and the music are astounding. Like every bit of it, like from like an aesthetics point of view, like gets me super hyped. They are 5,600 out of 15,000 of their goal with 19 days left to go. You know, it's hard to say if they'll reach their goal or not in 19 days. It de- I I certainly think they will, as many people, because, like, there's a demo out there, and everybody's just, just saying great things about it, so I'm actually looking forward to playing the full game myself. I'm not into demos anymore, because demos aren't what they used to be, so I'll wait until I see a little more of it, but... Now, is that 15000 Is that the starting goal, or is that a stretch goal? That's the starting goal. Okay. Not to, like, shit-talk it, but it looks like an RPG-making game. Um, I mean, it, it does in that it uses sprites. The it If you watch some of the animations on the sprites, it's obviously not RPG-making because of what they're doing with the sprites. I mean, and... Those games work if you accompany it with with other art and the way 
like the combat system doesn't look entirely RPG maker because it's it's side view side view instead of like so you have you characters on the left and characters on the right instead of not seeing your characters and just having the uh, like the monster images. Well, that's just as simple as putting a script in. Well, then at that point you're essentially coding a game in in Ruby. So I mean it as long as. While I've stated I have a problem with people just like throwing an RPG game uh, maker game out there and trying to sell it, it's fine as long as you're accompanying it with other original things, right? So like they have like this this awesome looking panoramic art. You've got cinematics. You've got awesome music. You know, it's not generic to the point where it feels like it would be a problem to me. But we, you, it's it's Kickstarter, so we don't know once we play it, right? So, like, there's only, I I do, I look at every Kickstarter game with a grain of salt, right? Because they're only going to show us the best of what they've got so far. So I mean, we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Like, I'll probably play it when it's released. Like, I'm Did not you back gonna, it? No, I don't back things. I'll buy it when it comes out. Well, if you don't back it, you can't buy it when it comes out. Yeah, you can. It's already greenlit on Steam. Then what the hell are they raising funds for? To make the game. All sorts of games raise money to make the game through Kickstarter and then sell the game. But if they're... How are they greenlit if there's no product? That's what Steam Greenlight is. Like, it is for development. Like, almost all the games in, in, in Steam Greenlight are in development. I thought it was just, like, the petitioning to be put on Steam. Just how much I fucking use Steam, right? You don't have to be a complete game to be on Steam. How many early access games are there on Steam? I'm already playing two of them. So, well, no, that's what I thought Greenlight was instead no. of like being Green. like, like I guess advertising. I thought it was, hey, I have something ready to play. Can I, let me put it on Steam. No, Greenlight and early access are two separate things. Yeah, because early access is actually on Steam. Greenlight is the petition to be placed on Steam, so you could. You know, so like if you have an early access game, like it'll go through Greenlight and then get put on the Steam store for purchase. Right? Like you can't buy the game through Steam while it's in Greenlight. Well, I knew that. Like, because I knew Greenlight meant, like, to be Greenlight meant to actually be put on Steam. Well, it's potential to be put on Steam. It means the community has nominated it to be put on Steam. Or the community gets a chance to nominate it to put on Steam. I think you can put yourself on Greenlight. Alrighty. Well, that's good to know. Well, there you go. So, uh, Glenn, you got anything from Kickstarter you've been kicking around with, playing toy, toy months? Uh, I got two. I got kicks. I got one from Kickstarter, which is Shadowrun Hong Kong from Hairbrain Schemes. They are the same guys who did the earlier Shadowruns. Um, it looks absolutely amazing. They're revamping how the Matrix works, changing a lot of the character development. Whole new storyline, whole new city, new artwork just looks all around better. Um, now, it is fully funded already, so that's already out. Um, and I think it's got a release date of later this year, off the top of my head. The second one is actually an early access game that will be coming out uh, June 2nd, is when it goes live for early access, called Ark Survival Evolved. And this is actually something Nick shared earlier. It is a survival, multiplayer survival game with dinosaurs. And you can tame the dinosaurs and ride them around and fight with them, and it looks amazing. 
Hmm. And there's dragons, apparently, too. Yes, there's dragons, there's giant spiders, which I'm going to hate, there's megalodons, there's titanoboa, all sorts of amazing things. And you can tame a megalodon. Hmm. It has been confirmed. It, it, just, it looks all around awesome. And in fact, about ten minutes ago, they just released a new uh, update on what they're working on. So that looks like it just it looks all around great. All right. You got anything, Nick? Um, I was brought to the attention of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night the other day, and it's um, a game that's it's been funded. It's at two million dollars now. Um, it's by Koji Igarashi, who's the creative mind behind Castlevania Sympathy of the Night. So, obviously, he's got a huge following. Um, and he can't make Castlevania games anymore because it's a Konami thing, and Konami's pretty much, pretty much, they're like, fuck this shit, I'm out with the whole game shit. With the whole Hideo Kojima freaking gate thing, whatever the hell's going on with that. Yeah, no. So, I mean, hey, more Castlevania-ish titles, so that's nothing wrong with that. And Symphony of the Night was fantastic, so. Or, wait, shit. Symphony of the yeah, Night? that's the yeah, one with right. the loot card. Yeah, 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 that was good. Yeah, so, I mean, this one looks so, this one looks pretty good. The artwork's all right, but it's just concept art, so obviously they haven't, I guess, started the game. I listened to some of the songs they put up from the composers. They sound pretty fantastic. So I'm pretty much, pretty sure it's going to be a pretty good game. I recommend you check it out. But I also I also like Castlevania Bloodlines too, like the one that came out for Genesis. That was fun. Played a lot of that one. That one was I'll, hard though. I'll be honest, Symphony of the Night was my first Castlevania. I've only played like three of them. So, all right. Well, if uh, nobody has any other Kickstarters or news they'd like to talk about, we're gonna get into the second round of Mage Fest. Alright. Alright. So, as it stands, the winners from last time were Tella, Jean, and Lezard Valeth. And what did I tell you guys about fucking Tella? You're killing me with this. Wait, I can't. Where is it? What the hell? Alright. Um. So. That our winners from last time, like I said, Tella, Jean, Lezard Valeth. Our remaining champ pool was I ha- still have Vivi and Vicky remaining. Nick has DS Blue. Um, I guess they're the same person. And Leon DS Guest. And Glenn has Magehawk and Wizard from Diablo 3. So, as soon as Nicholas returns, we will. Alright. I, I would have just said, alright, be right back if you're going to tell people that I went away. Sorry, I mean, well, I mean, I ran out of stuff to talk about. Like, I can cut it out. It's fine. All right. So, I am judging the first round this time. Nick, you have first choice for your champion. Who will you pick? Uh, I guess I'll throw Leon out. All right. Glenn. Hawk. Hawk. All right. All right. So, your heroes have to face off against Sin from Final Fantasy X. What is their plan of action? 
I'll let you start, Glenn. Let's see. Probably go with some blood magic to summon giant hands, rip a hole in, go inside of him, and start hunting down you, Yevon. All right, let's not talk about, like, combat. Like, what is, like, there is a giant roaming sky monster whale thing terrorizing the, 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 like, the country. Like, what did the, how do they begin their quest? Well, the interesting thing about Hawk is he's got the three different personalities. So you probably have Sarcastic Hawk laughing and saying, why can't he just have a normal day? Diplomatic Hawk would be trying to evacuate everyone. And Aggressive Hawk would be laughing his ass off that he finally has something big he can shoot at. Okay. Alright, what would Leon do? Well, Leon is a child prodigy. And in the world of Star Ocean, he's actually running a magic laboratory. for Well, magic in this world is called symbology. And it's kind of like you need to research on it and learn and master it and whatnot. So he's leading this laboratory. They're doing all these kinds of studies on it. So I'm pretty sure the first thing he would do is go to his laboratory, try to figure out what the hell he's fighting against and the best way to take it out. Then a major problem, though, with Leon is he's, like, super, super, like, conceited. And he, like, takes, a comp- like, credit for everybody else's accomplishments. So more likely than not, if somebody else found a way to kill him, like, kill or fight Sin or whatever... That would never get out, and it would be Leon's plan. Mm, I see. I see. Okay. What tools would they have at their disposal to defeat the opponent? Now, we're going to go round by round. So I'm going to say, uh, who? how fast is Leon, Nick? Is he fast, agile guy, or is he kind of slow and lanky? Uh, he's 12. All right. So Leon wins the initiative roll. What does he do first? Like, what is his, what is his go? Like, who, like, what's he fighting against? He's fighting his hawk. A he's mage. fighting against hawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay. What, well, what is the distance between hawk and Leon right now? This is a, uh, it's an active time-based battle. So like, you know, a few yards. A few yards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> since Leon's a mage, he'd obviously just start casting spells. Like, I don't know. What spells does Leon use? Does he use anything in particular? Like, does he just cast generic well, he's spell? Got, like, his particular brand of magic is, like, more, like, thematically darkness-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he's got sh- such lovely things as Demon's Gate, Dark Sphere, Ravenous Fiend... Um, word of death. So he would just start fucking throwing out um, like it's like necromantic spells, pretty much, just everywhere, summoning demons to just pretty much destroy Hog. Okay. All right, Hawk's turn. Hawk, what does he do? To counter spells, he's going to use Shimmering Shield to form a defensive barrier, and then Spell Purge to sap the magic away from Leon. Followed by Chain Lightning to start taking out as many things as possible. Rain of Fire to start raining meteors all over the place. And then if anything gets too close, he's still a fairly powerful physically character, so he's going to start hitting them with his staff, which has a blunt mace on one end and a long dagger on the other end. Would Hawk be okay with beating up a 12-year-old, though? Yes. It's Uh, Hawk. He's done it before. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, 
The two of you are not together, but separately. You have a ten- uh, dinner party for very important people. What do they do? What sort of food do they prepare? And what sort of entertainment do they have for their guests? Who's going first? Doesn't matter. I don't care. Somebody just go. Uh, well, you can go first because you started first. I went first last time. You go first. All right. Well, Hawk is a noble in the city of Kirkwall. So he's going to use his mansion to host the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll probably have Varric start preparing a lot of the uh, entertainment since he has connections with just about everyone. And have Aveline on guard duty since she is the night captain. Or, I'm sorry, guard captain. For food, uh, it'd be pretty much standard, uh, you know, old-style fare. So, you know, you'd probably have the roasted pig with a nice wine. Uh, Meryl will probably have some various elven dishes for everyone to try. You know, all around pretty good. Okay. Well... That's all he's got, right? It's just Manson, like, old English stuff. God damn it. <laughs> well, like, you know, he, he like I said, he's a noble, so he can pull from just about everyone. He's got contacts in the Dwarven kingdoms. He is, uh, one of his allies, like I said, is Meryl, who is a major elven character. And although they don't like her too much, she probably still has a little bit of pull, at least enough to get some uh, good stuff going. And entertainment wouldn't be too hard. Like I said, he's got Varric, who has connections literally everywhere. So he can very easily find entertainment. Uh, he's got Sander, who can, or Sandal, who can probably provide some entertainment with enchantment. Enchantment. That's my favorite part from that game. Enchantment? Enchantment! Enchantment. No, my favorite part. Uh, second game, wandering in the thing, seeing the ogre frozen. Not enchantment. That's funny. All right, Leon has a dinner party and guests. How does he feed and entertain them? Well, Leon's favorite food is carrot juice. Carrot juice. So he's uh, he's, he's just going to feed them carrot juice. Well, no, I mean I, I realize that's not really food, but I guess you know what it kind of is. Right. You blend up some carrots, but uh, no, just because his like his station, he works like he's the head of a laboratory. Like I'm fairly certain he can have it arranged that he can just rent out the castle that's attached to it and just host. Whoever is showing up there at the castle, have anybody there, give anybody any food they want, while he just goes around bossing everybody around. So, I mean, he pretty much has unlimited resources. He he can do whatever anybody wants, but most likely than not, there'll be orange, there'll be carrot juice there. Got it. Super speed bonus round. If your character did not have magic, and was simply using their personal skills. What Ivy League college would they attend and why? Leon first. Uh, I'm going to have to Google Ivy League colleges real quick. Oh, Jesus. How about Hawk? What Ivy League college would he attend and why? Googling. Oh, my God, you guys are terrible. Cornell, Princeton, geez. Harvard. Ivy League colleges. You know... When you don't ever aspire to do this shit because you, you know you're never going to be able to afford it, why the fuck are you going to mess with it? Fair enough. Uh, Hawk would probably go, I don't know, Yale. Yale? Why would he want to go to Yale? I have no idea. <laughs> Damn. He's not an unintelligent person. It's just, I, you know, he lives in a completely different world. He doesn't, 
need to know advanced arithmetic or this is this actually is... you probably do law. Okay. All right. All right. I got it. I got mine. All right. All right. Leon would go to Cornell because the motto is I would found an institution where any person can find instruction in any study. And he, Leon is utmost an intellectual and he would be all about people learning and improving themselves knowledge wise. Hmm. That's a really good answer. I like that answer. Hmm. But so far, I'm going to have to give this one to Hawk. Like, yeah, yeah. For his magic skills and his ability to plan parties. All right, fair enough. So. I didn't think Liam was going to win anyway, so. He was your, he was, he was your Donald Duck? Uh, mostly. All right. I mean, I like him as a character, though, so. This one, Glenn is the judge. I pick first. I will go with Vicky. You Nick, bitch. Who is your champion? Why the fuck can you do Vicky? Waste Vivi. Waste Vivi right now. Fine, I'll go with Vivi. I'll go with Vivi. Who you want? The only one I got left is Deus. Slash oh, that's Blue. right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Oop, I spelled that wrong and then closed my window. All right. Glenn. Proceed. All right. A demon is holding their fir- their uh, party leader's uh, hostage. What do they do? Hmm. Vivi will cast black magic while using his fellow clones from the village that name I have forgotten. The ones that also don't aren't like mindless soldiers that now follow him as like their leader. So like he's gonna bring some friends to rescue his leader. Okay. Um, well if Ryu was being held hostage, uh blue Deus, whatever you want to call her, uh would probably be like, dude, just turn into a dragon. You got like you got this, what are you doing? And incapacitated in some way, shape, or form. Okay, uh, well, she's pretty much the strongest sorceress in this game universe, and it's up for debate whether or not she's immortal or just suspends herself in, like, in hibernation for hundreds of years at a time, but she's pretty much old as shit. So, um, she's, like, master of all types of uh, offensive magic and would probably just obliterate whatever the hell is holding Ryo hostage, like, just in a snap of fingers. So we have a massive amount of black mages versus one very large black mage. Interesting. Well, you also remember Vivi and his fellow kind are black magic incarnate in that universe. Like, they are spawned of and, like, are essentially black magic made living form. So they are also extremely powerful in magic without needing the time to live and learn it. They just do it. Raw power. Okay. I mean, I guess, but like, can they insta-kill monsters with their spells? Because Blue can. Pretty sure Vivi has a kill spell. Pretty sure he has death. It's a spell in Final Fantasy IX. Doom. Doom, yeah, there you go. He has Doom. So does all his buddies. Like, all the time. (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's all right. 
let's see. Uh, there is an ancient artifact that is hidden in a very large maze. What is the quickest way to get to it? Vivi just stumbles in a line and then finds it by sheer luck and happenstance as he does everything in Final Fantasy IX. The gods are on his side. You said it's a maze? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maze. Uh, freaking blue just obliterates every wall, whatever the hell is in the way, and just makes a giant ass crater and then goes and walks up and picks up. Well, Vivi could do that too, but that defeats the purpose of the challenge. Actually, no, that was the answer I was looking for. Shit. Well, I could have got on the zepp I could have went on the Zeppelin then. Like I have a flying dirigible thing. Whatever, it's fine. It's in a maze, though, man. Hmm. Okay, does the maze have a ceiling? Yes, it is underground. There you go, the, just blow it all up. Then why would you blow it up? That's dangerous. It's disintegrating everything. You're not in the maze. She's not in the maze when she's blowing it up. Well, then how do you know you're not going to blow up the artifact? That's very careless. Like the, that artifact could end the world if it gets damaged. How do you know? All you said it was just an artifact. How do you, it's an ancient artifact. How do you know what the artifact does? I don't. Then you could end the world. Blue's probably as old as the world. She probably doesn't care. I. Alright. Third and final question. Your character discovers a prophecy that says there will be an end time coming in the next 200 years. How do they prepare for it? Well... Vivi just gives his people the, uh, like, personalities so his people can live on and train in black magic and train others in black magic and continue to move on because Vivi has a very short lifespan. Like, he'll live, like, they live at most, what, like, five years? So he will establish a lineage of powerful mages for when the time comes, they will be prepared and ready and in number. Okay, Nick. Um, like, do you have any specifics on how the world's supposed to end? Because every game Blue's been in, Blue's been something coming on where the world's going to end, and she stops it. So she no, probably just, wouldn't break a sweat. That's all she knows. Like, she, I don't think she has to do anything. She's been living the entire like. Like she's as old as the universe or whatever. I don't think she has to prepare for anything. She knows everything. She's ready for anything. Like every game that she's in, she pretty much caps all the stats when she hits ninety nine and no other character does. So she like she's unstoppable. Whatever you want to throw at her, she'll take it. The world ending ain't no shit. You're not very creative with your answers then. She just, just, just does it. Well I don't I don't have an army of fucking black magic incarnate to pass my personality on to Brent. Fair enough. Yeah, but she could have trained. Um, trained, I... in, trained in what? She mastered. She has mastered all magic. Like, what do you... You can train others. I'm gonna have to go with Vivi on this one, simply because there's power in numbers. Yeah. Tell that to the Jews. Wow. You went there. You went there. That's good. Uh, I will point out that Power and numbers did happen. The Germans outnumbered them. Mm. Moving right along. With bullets, maybe. 
Alright. Nick's the judge. I get first pick again. But it's Vicky, so it doesn't matter. And Glenn is... Wizard from Diablo. Three. Alright. Begin your questions, Nick. Alright, um, if your character could go any place, or any time in the world, how would they accomplish this? Vicky would sneeze and be there. Time magic for the wizard. Okay. Just Vicky just goes there. That's what she, she does. Just, she like, just goes. Like she just ends up there, like she sneezes, doesn't have to do anything, just pops up there. That's how she ends up in every one of the games almost. She just whoops, <laughs> this is where I am. Oh, you guys need help, I'll help you. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Alright, so this location that they arrive in, this time, this place, there is a um a war going on. Um one side is a kind of like a freedom fighting rebellion, and the other side is a um like a controlling like monarchy thing that's like freaking uh damn, I can't think of the word. Like is it despotic? Like a despot? A fascist. Sure, whatever. Like Iron Fist ruling, killing everybody, no shit's given. Okay. Um which side would they join to make the winning side? Like, to guarantee that that side's going to win and why? The wizard would join the rebellion in a heartbeat. Her, her whole point is that she does not like authority. That's why she originally left her school. That's why she's fighting against the demons. That's why, in the end, she's not too happy with the angels either. Hmm. Her whole point is she does not like control, and she will just obliterate anything in her way. Doesn't matter if it's forbidden arts or anything. Okay, question then. Why would she join the Rebellion Army if they're going to put her under their control? Well, she's not. She would act as a free agent, going on solo missions and whatnot. She'd just basically see, see that army? I'll go take them. You go take the other one. Okay. See, here's the thing with Vicky. She's a little naive. So Vicky is going to be at the mercy of whoever she finds when she teleports to this place. Because chances are, let's say the prince is roaming around with his his battalion of soldiers when she appears, and he has the foresight to not try and kill her on sight, but to say, look, mage, there are these raving lunatics in the countryside that have been killing my men for months. Like, there are women and children in the capital that will not see their parents again because of these, these raiding marauders. Will you please help defend my kingdom she'd believe him like he could be fucking joffrey style lunatic but she's a little naive that way so i mean the same goes for the rebellion like if she pops up in front of the leader of the rebellion then they're more like they're just as likely to convince her to help them however vicky seems to appear in a time and place in which fate dictates so if Fate dictates that the the rebellion were to win this war, that it is vital to the survival or whatever, the chronological timeline, that's where she'd end up. Like, it wouldn't, like, she just tends to be where she needs to be, so. So what you're saying is she's fated to be on the winning team? Yes. Like, no matter what happens, she'll, she'll, she'll be on the winning team? Basically, yeah. Okay. But see, the wizard just kind of says, fuck fate, because... 
Uh, she's a Nephilim, which means she lives outside of it. So fate does not matter to her. She'll just obliterate anything in her path. The Obelisk was fated to come back and destroy heaven, and she was there and just said no. Well, that's debatable, because Diablo Universe is fated to return to neutral, because it began neutral, expanded from neutral, and fights to return to neutral, so all of their fates are subject to interpretation. Uh... Because it's the Diablo Universe begins with one god, like he is encompasses everything. He's all there is. He is good and evil, but he, t- he gets tired of his evil half, so he splits into two. Thus, you have good incarnate fighting evil incarnate in a battle so intense, they blow up and are stored into pieces, and those create the greater entities, which, like, so just one piece of the good guy is the thing that spawns the angels. Then the pieces of the the bad guy are what are your prime evils, and they basically... Though, like, even so much as, like, an angel leaves, a demon leaves, they breed and have babies in a place separate from the two. The entire universe fights towards neutral. So the fate of the Diablo universe is to a cult, like, like the heat death of the universe, basically. That is the Diablo universe in a nutshell. No, there was no original god. It started off as... Bullshit! And... It is one dude. Brat. What? Anu is referred to as the one god. Tathamet is referred to as the prime evil. There is no one original being. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Why they become heaven and hell. Oh, no, there is definitely... Like, it is one guy that splits into those two pieces. Like, he separates the evil from himself. Alright, this is fascinating. Alright, sorry. But, uh, Brent, so are you trying to imply that um, the wizard is in fact controlled by fate even yes. though she thinks she's not controlled by fate yep okay because if fate were to control that universe then the nephilim like fate as a as a concept nothing can live outside fate if fate is a, a definite right so in that universe like all fate is like the heat death of that universe. Like everything wants to return to neutral, which I'm going to disagree with the Nephilim by their very nature live outside of it. No, they don't. One of the reasons the angels and the demons are so terrified of them. Yes, because they were too, they, they are essentially miniature versions of that original God that split it into the good and evil ones because they are the return of, of those two forces into one thing. So, like, that is the universe returning to neutral. Because neut- it, it began as evil and good as one entity and returned to evil and good returning into entities that were the Nephilim. Okay, so what I'm, what I'm gathering from this is Glenn said something about the angels, somebody there was fated to be, like, the ruler of the angels... No, I'm sorry. The destroyer of the angels. According, according to the fate that the evil entities of the Diablo universe dictate, or like they, everybody's saying that the this these prime evils will destroy the angels, and evil will triumph. When they'll destroy all of heaven. There you go. But essentially, it is a return to neutral. Okay, so my understanding of this now is kind of sorta because. The angels are 
all enveloped in good, quote unquote, and then the primevals are all about evil. These mm-hmm. nephilims have both good and evil in they them. Are, they are children of an angel and a demon. Gotcha. Okay. So what's not to say that the angels have their own version of fate because they have no understanding of evil, while the primevals have their own version of fate because they have no concept of the good, whereas the nephilim feel like they're outside of fate because the known fate it does not encompass both sides of the coin that they they have exactly that's what i'm saying like fate of that universe as a whole is to return to neutral uh, to the state of like the you know bring balance to the force you know okay so if we run under that logic that she is to bring balance then would she not balance out vicky if vicky's fated to win then to bring it back to neutral the wizard would have to be on the opposition in order to bring that back to a neutral war, well, either side could win. Well, we're not saying like they're in the same universe. I'm all I'm saying is Vicky is she is she is a a leaf on the wind, right? She goes where fate and time takes her. So if we're popping out of our universes, then then that's no longer going to play an effect. We're not popping out of our universes. Let's say in universe, she's a leaf on the wind, and the wizard is as a part of much uh, as much of a part of the fate of the Diablo universe as anybody else. So ultimately, this fate shit doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Fate doesn't matter. Fate shouldn't be a point, except for like that. Except for my point was that just Vicky's history is she just tends to end up wherever she's supposed to be. Right. So, frame of reference: she will be on the winning side no matter what. She will always be on the winning side. Whereas the wizard will make the strive to be own on her own power. Okay. Yes. Okay. There you All go. right, all right. I will. That's I will. That's agreeable. Okay. Um. Okay. Last question. I feel like this is a great question. Which two char- characters or wizards or mages, sorcerers, users of magic, with your character having full knowledge of like every existing ma- magic user in our known world? So like any from any game, any any work of fiction, anything like that, which two characters would your character choose to be on their team for a battle royale and why? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. That's going to actually make me think for a second. I think... Don't hurt your brains. I think Vicky... She, like Vicky always looks... Like I said, she's naive. So she always looks towards people that are natural leaders or have natural talent of some sort that that she would inspire or be that she would be inspired by so first she's going to want to be on gene's side because gene is also popping up in all these places in time where she is and gene is this master of of runes and magic so Vicky would view her as a a teacher. She would desire to be a disciple, you know, of like under her tutelage, like to be Jean's apprentice, if you will. Another mage, if she were to know them, I actually think she would sympathize with Vivi because not necessarily for his power. But for his his passion and strength of like 
like his bonds of friendship. Like I think she would, as a person that can see anywhere at any time, the way she does to see this, this, this creature that was born outside of nature with such a short lifespan, but loves the world the way that Vivi does, but is doomed to only see such a small portion of it where she can see all of it. I think she would be endeared to that and want to like help him see more of the world through her teleportation magic. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, but how would that help in a battle royale? Well, they're both incredibly powerful mages. Okay. Like, so I think that she would partner with Jean simply because of the power involved there. Right? Like, so she would see the potential there. But like I said, with Vivi, like Vicky, like I said, she's not going to think about it through that, that lens. Right. Because since she sneezes and she ends up in another timeline, so that's not how she thinks, right? She can leave any bad situation when she wants to, and that's typically her card, right? If shit gets rough, boop, she's gone. So she's going to want to bring Vivi, not only because he's powerful, because she's one to want to spend every moment she can with that poor creature. Okay. You follow? I got you. All right, I'll accept your answer. What you got, Glenn? All right. So the wizard is all about power. Like, that is what she she, she seeks. She goes full-on forbidden knowledge, dangerous knowledge, anything she can get for more power. So she's going to try and choose some of the most powerful people from their universe. So we're probably going to have Deus or Blue, as you mentioned. She's one of the most powerful singular beings in that universe. And probably Mage Talk as well, since he is considered the best mage in his universe. Um, tactic-wise, this is going to help because as well, along with her, Deus will provide the long-range artillery, where she starts wiping out as many little guys as she can, Deus would probably start concentrating on the bigger targets. Whereas Mage Hawk is a very up-close-and-personal fighter. A lot of his attacks take place within a relatively short range. So he would act as a barrier to anything that did manage to get anywhere close to them. And if they did, well, they're going to get ripped apart. Well, if we want to speak tactically, then of course Vicky can be anywhere on the battlefield she needs to be. You have Vivi casting Meteor to take out large swaths of enemies, and Jean to charm rune any person in that field with a penis. Plus, I think actually when Vivi and Jean are in, or not Vivi, Vicky and Jean are in team together, they actually get a combo using their, their, uh, their feminine charms, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe they do have a combo attack. That's funny. Uh, but no, I mean, like, you know, the wizard would see that instantly, and she can teleport, so she'd just teleport to where she needs to be, start hitting Blizzard, Hydra, Disintegration Ray, magic missiles, anything needed to take out whatever target she needed to do. However, the wizard cannot teleport parties of six where Vicky can. Yes, but all other characters in my party are capable of teleporting on their own. Well, Vicky can take more foot soldiers with her. My team doesn't need foot soldiers. Or she could take your foot soldiers. Like, if she wants to get really sinister, she can just start taking your foot soldiers and leaving them in other timelines. Good, more chaos there. 
But no, my individual targets are each powerful enough that they don't require any sort of extra foot soldiers. Time out. Hold the phone. I just thought, how is Vicky not the most powerful fucking mage in that universe? She could just take each member of the fucking army and leave them in a different timeline. I was about to suggest that. I'm like, she could, li- going by this logic, she can literally take the wizard, take Hawk, take uh, Blue, and just like touch them and drop them off some fucking like universe in the void and then come right back. I'm not stretching her powers from in canon either. Like that's literally what she does. She she can just teleport, touch someone and they're gone. She has a, she has an ability on her rune to port enemies out of the battle. Yep. Oh, that is broken. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, the only, the only, the only counter I could think of would be the wizard stop time ability, which would give her a little bit of time. The issue, though, with Vicky's ruin is that it fails occasionally. It does fail occasionally. And when it fails, it backfires and teleports allies instead. Well, that gets them out of harm's way. She can bring them right back. Because these, her character exists in a in a in a world that is turn based or active time battle, whereas the wizard exists in a real time. But so you bring. Vicky to a real time situation. If it fails, she just comes back. Like the the fail rate is negated by the ability to be anywhere at any time. Fair enough. Well, question on that: Does it have any kind of like mana cost or anything? Like, how often can she do that? Mm. Um, runes have a usage thing. Yeah, like, depending but... on what tier spell they are, like you get nine for the the and depending on what mage it is, because some mages get more skill, spell points. And again, if you can be any place at any time, depending on how your time travel logic works, that does not matter because she oh. could teleport to another place, rest, and be back five, a minute before she left. Well, it's also in game canon that she doesn't have to use magic powers to use her teleportation because all she has to do is sneeze. There you go. But can she control it? Um, it has a chance to fail, but the no, reason. I'm but about sneeze teleporting. Well, it's, sneeze teleporting is typically it's like a I guess I would say like a meme or a running gag or whatever. Yes, like it's, at it's the end of the games, joke. she'll sneeze, and then at the beginning of the next game, whenever you find her, that's literally just where she came from. Yes, it's where she shows up, and essentially, like she she always wants to immediately leave. But you always say something like to prove that you're important and she just comes with you because, like I said, she's always on the winning team. So she she just ends up where she needs to be by either happenstance or by fate, however you want to view that. Okay. Any, does anybody have any more, like, anything to add before I, I, I tally up? I don't know. I feel like I got really fucking philosophical on this one. I don't know. What is fate? Truly, well, I don't know. Like, I I really thought Vicky wasn't going to be as complicated as I made it, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah. Like at first, I was like, "All right, well, this will be oh, this will be fast." And then, like, I'm I'm like making up questions. I'm like, "Why did I say this?" Like, this is going to be an hour long show just off these questions. Uh, you open up a can of worms there, Nick. Whatever. Okay. Um. Uh, all right. So, in summary. First question was, how do they get somewhere, like, if they need to be somewhere, right? Like, Yes. Okay, and it was teleporting. Both of them teleport. I think right? Vicky, Vicky's has a much longer range, but yeah. Okay. And, okay. All right. 
Uh, second was if they arrive someplace, um, like out of out of the normal timeline or whatever, and there's two warring factions. What side do they join to win, and why? Vicky's like, I'm actually gonna join the rebellion if that's right. fated to be. If it, she'll yeah. join the the asshole dudes if that's fated to be, but they will win. Yes, and um, the wizard is anti-establishment, so she so will. So she will always join the rebellion. Yes. Was yeah. that? Anarchist. He's an anarchist. Okay. Um, and we'll do her best to make sure that they win. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the third was that big fucking. Who mess. are they? Who are they bringing to a bat uh, a battle royale, and why? And what tactics do they use? All right. All right. Um. Okay, and uh, remind me again the the goal of this mage mage battle thing. Uh, it's just you decide. Like it's you don't. It's it's up to you. It's like, do you think so and so is cooler? Who's more powerful? Like it doesn't matter. Okay, this I was is all super was, like, silly. Stuff. All right. Um. Well, I will give my feelings on both, and then choose the one. Okay. For uh, for Vicky, um, I feel that she's got going for her. Definitely her, her blinking rune. Um, giving her the ability to just kind of be where she needs to be when she needs to be there and contribute to the cause is both a blessing and a curse um, because she will never, ever know stability and never have any rest because she's constantly going from one battlefield to the next. Um, So that kind of really sucks for her. Uh, Other than that, her magic seems to be kind of pretty broken, especially if you're taking her from a turn-based battle field into a um, real-time battlefield. And um, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of iffy about her choices for companions, but I understand. Like, as a, on a personal like thing, because I would not have picked, if I was Mage Vicky, probably would not have picked them. But I can understand why she did, and feel like that might be a decent combination but definitely not the most powerful combination. I will give the most powerful combination of people to the Wizards group because it does sound like if any, no matter what's coming up against them, they will fucking wreck face. Like there is no nothing that will stand between those three wrecking face. Um, but ultimately, um, I'm going to have to give it to Vicky. Um, mainly because I'm biased because it's, it's weakening. Ball. I demand a recount. Ballin. <laughs> really, that's the only reason why. Ballin. He threw Gene in there, and Gene's my character, so I got to go. Well, he threw but, in he threw in Dias because that was your character too. But well, Gene, you can't like Gene's charmed me, so I can't say no. Yeah, no, Gene. Yeah. And yeah, like I was trying to think because instead of like picking most optimal choices for each of my characters, I'm trying to like in, make in character choices, and those are the character. Like I feel like those would be in character choices for Vicky. Like, well, you can't say that the wizards aren't in character choices for the wizard either. I don't know. I don't think. I don't, I don't think the wizard would trust trust Dias. What as an immortal creature? As an immortal creature? Hell no! Not the wizard. How long did t- like the wizard only trusts Tyrael in Diablo three because he becomes immortal? No, 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 not even that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, see, I don't think she would team up with an immortal creature. Yeah, I don't think she would team up with an immortal creature. Period. 
Is she? I mean, I don't know Deus very well, so I I can only go well, with what you guys said. In Breath of Fire 1... Since she was old. In Breath of Fire 1, she's like, not considered immortal yet. But then in Breath of Fire 2, they go on and say she is part of the immortal race. Um, which includes, like, characters from, like, all of the Breath of Fire games. Oh. Well, to be fair, the wizard has killed immortals before, so... Yeah, I mean, so has blue. It's just a. All right, fair enough. So, all right, Vicky wins. All right. So, uh, on our next show, we will be reviewing Arcanum. Of I forget the subtitle. I just remember it's Arcanum. Arcanum. Works of magic obscura. obscura. Okay. So we've all been playing that. I'm about ten, eleven hours in. Uh, where's everybody else at? How's everybody looking on that one? I'm on my second character now. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm like, I'm like 30 minutes into it. <laughs> Way to go, Nick. Way to... Yeah, it, I will say it is, it is very much a read-the-fucking-manual type game, just like those older games usually were. And since these are downloads, they don't come with a manual. Yeah, I'm like, like, I changed the options to, like, turn-based or something in battle. Like, right away, I'm like... Okay, oh, let yeah. me try to... Yeah, that, that's mandatory right there. I'm like, yeah, try you... to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah, don't try and do it real time. You will die. And I'm pretty much... I'm pretty sure I fucked up my character build already. Uh, what do you try no to I have no idea. I think I did, like, healing or something. Are like you... Magic. Are you doing... Ma- are you going magic? And then I think I might have put some tech skills, too, but I have no idea. Oh, you don't do that. Oh. Yeah, don't, don't mix... second magic. Yeah, you don't do that. That doesn't work. Yeah, a large part of this game's lore is that tech and magic screw each other over. Uh, tech reinforces reality, whereas magic will change it. So a really powerful wizard will literally have bullets just curve around them, whereas really powerful machinery will cause spells to just not work. Okay. Yeah, they even mentioned at one point that uh, a group trying to teleport into a factory has an equal chance of landing in the factory floor or in the wall. Nice. So how long did it take you to do your first run? Uh, first run, maybe about 20 hours. I mean, I have the advantage of knowing where to go, and I can sequence skip a little bit, so. Okay. Yeah, like, I'm 10 hours in, and I'm about halfway through the walkthrough I'm using, so 20 hours feels about right, 25 at most. Yeah. See, I can also pick up a lot of the in-game equipment early, because I know where it is. Like, I had my Tesla rifle real fast. That thing's fun. So, but anyway, that's discussion for next time. And until next time, say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Everybody, bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the RPG Show. If you'd like to participate in the discussion, send us an email at podcast at therpgshow.com. You can also visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com. Want to get shouted out on the show? Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Each one counts, and we love you for it. And for myself, Nick and Glenn, hope to see you next time. 